Please take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1. 1 Timothy, chapter 1. I actually love your order of worship. I love a congregation that sings a lot. Um, We just sang some words I think that are highly important. Uh, As we were praising God, we said that you give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. Uh, We are a broken and fallen people. Um, In Jesus Christ, we've been lifted up. And in His Gospel, we know healing and we know grace and we know power that comes from Him. And this is one of those great statements in Scripture about God's goodness to His people through Jesus Christ. I begin reading in verse 12 of 1 Timothy chapter 1. That's on page 532 of your pew Bible. I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of God overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus." The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. Uh, To the King of ages, Immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now we've read God's Word and we also need God's help to understand that Word. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, open up our eyes now that we may behold wonderful things from Your Word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, When the great Protestant reformer Martin Luther died in the year 1546, they found a piece of paper in his coat pocket. And on that piece of paper, Luther had written these words, We are all beggars. You see, Martin Luther was a man who understood the gospel. On his deathbed, we're told by oral tradition, that Luther, as he was dying, kept saying over and over the words of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, Martin Luther was a man who understood the Gospel. Uh, He had experienced its power in his life. And my question to you this morning is, have you experience the power of the Gospel in your life as you sit here this morning. Uh, This section of Scripture that I just read to you is an intensely autobiographical section of Scripture from the Apostle Paul. 
Six times he uses the pronoun I. Uh, Three other times he uses the pronoun me. Uh, Paul is wanting you to understand his personal experience and how his personal experience is something that is revolutionary in the lives of all who believe in Jesus Christ. Now this morning we're going to look at this trustworthy statement in verse 15. Look at it again with me. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. Now I would suggest to you this morning that the Apostle Paul tells us five things about the gospel in this verse. And I'll hit them quickly and I'll get right to the point. Five things about the gospel that I want you to understand as you leave this building this morning. The first is, the gospel is true. Uh, Paul says, the saying is trustworthy. It's trustworthy. It's reliable. It's dependable. It's something that you can bank on all the days of your life. It's something that you will carry with you throughout all eternity. You know, we're living in an age where people say there is no absolute truth. You can believe what you want to believe. I can believe what I want to believe. But there is no absolute truth. No, as Christians we say there is absolute truth. That the God of heaven and earth is a talking God. And this God has spoken. And this God has given to us His Word in the Scriptures of the Old and New Testament. And those words are reliable. They're dependable. They can be banked on throughout the whole course of our life. But our world thinks like what happened in the year 1905 at Harvard University. Uh, The president of Harvard University, a man by the name of Charles Eliot, had built a new building, a philosophy building, and he asked the faculty, what do you want to put on the portico outside of the building? And the faculty took a vote. And you know what they wanted to put on that portico? This statement, man is the measure of all things. Well, they went home that summer, and Elliot was a Christian, and he refused to put that there. And when they came back, They found printed above that portico the words from the psalm. What is man that you are mindful of him? See the shift of focus? My brothers and sisters, as you sit here this morning, the gospel that we preach about the person and work of Jesus Christ and His life of obedience and death upon Calvary's cross for the sins of all who place their confidence and trust in Him is the truest thing that has ever happened in this universe. And this morning as you sit in this congregation, you must emphatically say to yourself, the Gospel is true. And I will bank on it throughout all the days of my life. And I will take it with me into heaven itself. The gospel's true. Secondly, the gospel's for the whole world. Look again at verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. This means that the gospel that we preach, this gospel that is true, uh, that it deserves 
universal acceptance. It's intended for people of all kinds that are on this planet. The gospel is accessible to them. It's something that is there for them. It's the gospel that's for all men. It's not just good news for Americans. It's good news for Muslims and Hindus and all the peoples of the earth. It's good news for every person that's here this morning. When God called Abraham, He said to Abraham something that had cosmic implications. He said, Abraham, in your seed, in one who will come from you, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a witness to all the nations, and then shall the end come. We believe that this gospel is the only thing that can transform our world and the peoples that dwell upon this planet. We believe that the gospel deserves universal acceptance from all people and should be preached to all the nations. The gospel's true. The gospel's for the whole world. Thirdly, the gospel is about the person and work of Jesus Christ. Look at our text. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, the gospel is not just good advice. The gospel is not simply about an experience. The gospel is about a person. And that person is called in our text Christ Jesus or Messiah Jesus that He came into the world. Now that's very significant. By that we are saying that the second person of the Trinity, God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Son of God from all eternity, His only begotten Son, took unto Himself humanity. He added to His divine nature a human nature. And He lived among us. He lived a life of perfect obedience in our behalf. He died upon Calvary's cross for our sins. He rose again from the grave. He ascended into heaven. He's coming again. Uh, The Gospel is about the person and work of Christ, what He has done to rescue people from this barren, terrible, wicked world into which we have fallen. There's a hymn that we sing at Christmas time. I don't know if you sing it here at Biloxi, but the words are good even if you don't sing it. Let me read you the words of the hymn. Speaking of Jesus, it says, You are Thou who was rich beyond all splendor. All for love's sake became as poor. Thrones for a manger did surrender. Sapphire paid courts for a stable floor. Thou who was rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake became us poor. The only one who could deliver this world was the one who created it. 
And he became man. And he lived and died that we might have life. The gospel is true. The gospel is for the whole world. And the gospel is about the person and work of Jesus. Fourthly, the gospel is for sinners. That's good news. I don't know about you, but I'm a wreck. If you really knew me this morning, you probably would not want me preaching to you. I'm a sinner. Paul says in verse 15, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, in this paragraph that I read, the Apostle Paul talks about his past life. I just want you to look at what he said. In verse 13 he says, Though formerly I was a blasphemer. That means that there was a time in his life when he thought that uh, uh, Jesus Christ was the most wicked man who ever lived on this planet. And he basically blasphemed his name and said, He is a false person. He blasphemed the name of Jesus at one point in his life. It also says in verse 13 that he was a persecutor. That means not only did he blaspheme Jesus' name, but he went after others who loved Jesus as well and tried to rid them of either their life or to put them in prison where they'd suffer for believing in Jesus. Then he uses the term insolent opponent, which basically is a word, it's very interesting, those of you who may plant tomatoes in here, or it's, or, but you'll, you'll note the word real quickly when I say it. The Greek word is hybristus, hybrid. He says, I'm, an, I'm a hybrid. I was a hybrid. I was a, an insolent opponent. Um, here are the ways that some of the people who comment and write commentaries on the Scripture uh, tell us what this means. And my friend Bill Barkley says it means he was outrageously wicked. John MacArthur says, to see Christians humiliating and suffering brought him pleasure. Um, Ralph Davis says that he enjoyed seeing people in pain. But the strongest one that I read that you can identify with is that basically he means he was a terrorist. He was a terrorist to the church of Jesus Christ. An insolent arrogant opponent of the God of the Bible. That's his past life. But I want you to see something, brothers and sisters. And I want you to ever forget it. Although he talks about his past life, look what he says in verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am. Not I was. He says right now as I pen this letter, I want you to know that the Apostle Paul is a sinner. You're never going to get over sin until you go to heaven completely. And the Apostle Paul admits in this passage that even right this moment as he's writing Holy Scripture, 
there's sin in his life. And he needs Jesus every day of his life to save him. He needs the grace of Jesus every moment of every day to live. Sin is incredibly subtle and can attack in a thousand different ways in the life of God's people. And that's why God's people need Jesus every day of their life. And the gospel. And to preach it to themselves every day of their life. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save the likes of me. Um, the gospel's for sinners. Thank God this morning. It means it's for you and it's for me. And it's for those that are hurting. The gospel's true. The gospel's for the whole world. The gospel's about Jesus Christ. The gospel's for sinners. And the gospel's all about grace. Uh, it's about God doing for you what you can't do for yourself. Um, Paul says, uh, verse 12, I thank Him who's given me strength. He's patting himself on the back. This is not something he drug into his own life. No, that's something God did. Uh, verse 12, he says, I was formerly these things. In verse 14, he says, and the grace of God just overflowed for me. That God, just like a, a river overflowing its banks, just brought His grace to flow into my life. He says in verse 16, I received mercy. Uh, he's understanding, he's looking at the fact that Salvation is God's work from the very beginning to the end. I read a story about one of my favorite missionaries. He was a man by the name of John Patton. And as we draw our sermon to a conclusion this morning, I want to tell you about Patton's life for a moment. He was a missionary to the Indians in the 1800s in the New Hebrides in the Pacific Islands. Um, he was preaching to people who were cannibals. So every day um, it was a risky business for him. But as he preached the gospel, uh, God was pleased to grant grace to many of those cannibals. And they came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And he wrote in his diary about on one occasion when he was administering the Lord's Supper to those cannibals who had been converted and were a part of his little church. And here's what he said. He said, at the very moment I put the bread and wine into those dark hands that were stained with the blood of cannibalism that were now outstretched to receive the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper, he said, I had a foretaste of heaven. He says, I shall never taste a deeper bliss until I gaze on the glorified face of Jesus Himself. 
There were people who once killed and ate human flesh who had come to the Gospel because God mercied them and showed them the way to life through His Son, the Redeemer of this people. I would say to you this morning to look at one other thing. Verse 16, as we conclude. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him to eternal life. He says, I can't get over it. Um, God so mercied me in my life, and it's an example to everybody else that they should never get over it. That Jesus is a wonderful friend for sinners. Is He your friend this morning? Can you say, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Can you, as you sit here this morning, say the Gospel's true. The Gospel's for the whole world. The Gospel's about Jesus Christ. The Gospel's for sinners. And the Gospel's all about grace. May God pour out His balm of healing and help as we ponder the Gospel this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for these wonderful words. Uh, After Paul wrote that and told us about his story, The very last verse, he says, Now to the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. He he could not even think back on his own situation, his own salvation, without standing up in the passage and singing the doxology. Lord, help our souls to soar this morning as well. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.